thing. We don't have any, uh, we don't have really much of a spectrum. We just hit record and just start talking. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's completely fine with me. Well, that's the most fun anyways. I mean, shit. I mean, it's just continuing what we were doing like two minutes ago. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I was like, I don't want to spoil my whole story. No, no, and we do want to hear that. So, Mr., uh, how'd you get into the, uh, the music industry, Mr. Ian? So, motocross racer from, which that'll also come full circle, uh, motocross racer from 14 to about 23, had to stop because I couldn't afford to ride anymore, couldn't afford to race. That was... I was 95% self-funded Yeah. when everybody else was going to the track and their parents were mom and dad are taking out a second mortgage on the house and they're living hand to mouth. So junior can have two bikes and try and go to Loretta Lynn's. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm on a bike that's set six, eight years old and still doing it. Couldn't do it anymore. So I kind of went through a phase where I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to fill this void in my life. Cause it was huge. Like if you guys named me back when I was in high school, I ate, slept, breathed, ate, whatever. Everything motocross, everything a dirt bike. So I had to fill this void. So I started going, this will take you guys back. Toby Keith's I Love This Bar and Grill in Folsom was yeah. my spot. Because I hated Stoney's, can't stand the place. It's too, too artificial to me anymore. And that kind of shit drives me nuts. Like if I go to a place like that, I want to go to the Wrangler. Yeah. I want to go to a place that actually like has the feeling to it. Right. So... Went to Toby Keith's, and I started meeting musicians. I ended up meeting this girl. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on now her married name because I'm sure she'll listen to this. Uh, my friend Taylor, and then she started introducing me to a bunch of musicians. I met a guy by the name of Michael Beck. I met Brody Stewart. I met a bunch of these other people, and then I just kind of, I wasn't a like a groupie per se, but I started like getting to know them at least on a friend friend basis. Well, then I go to. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the bar. There's a bar in Lincoln that had a, uh, one of my buddies does, uh, he's a KJ there. Mm -hmm. Dillian's. I went to Dillian's. And I actually heard myself sing Save a Horse Ride a Cowboy doing karaoke with a friend of mine. And I was like, I have a voice. Oh, this is fucking crazy. And then I'm like, let me see if I can apply this. So I'm talking about Michael Beck one night and he used to do this song. It was JJ Lawhorn and Colt Ford answer to no one. His sound guy was Colt Ford, and he would do J.J. Lawhorn's same one verse three times. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, can I do that? And he goes, yeah. Didn't even hesitate. I went, oh, shit. So I get up on stage at Stoney's back when they had live music. They don't do that shit anymore, and it drives me crazy. But uh, we go to, uh, I do that, and I'm like, oh, my God. I might have filled the void from riding motocross. So time goes on, and I'm at Toby Keith's. That was my spot. You know, back when the beers were in big mason jars, about like that. And Yeah, you were allowed to serve them that big. Oh, yeah, and they were allowed to serve them that big, and it was it was nuts. So we, uh, I Brody Stewart's playing two nights at Toby Keith's, and it was nuts because I'm like, I, I always enjoyed him. Never really knew him, but I enjoyed him. Well, I go back the second night after Placerville Speedway. I went up to the sprint car races, and... They ended hell early. So I go down there, and uh, Brody's there. There's not a whole lot of people there, and he's doing Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. <laughs> and I'm like, some, and he lowers the mic right in front of me. I'm right at the edge of the stage. And these two guys on either side of me were like, take the mic, sing the verse. Take the mic, sing the verse. Everybody knows that verse. Well, I'm a thoroughbred. That's what she said in the back <laughs> of my truck. Yes, dude. And I reach up and grab the mic off the stage and just start singing the verse. 
<laughs> and he runs over, slaps his hat on my head. I was going to hand him the mic back. He's like, no, keep going, keep going. I was like, oh, shit, what did I just do? And the next thing you know, I end up becoming friends with this bass player, with Brody. Brody, I went to go see Rodney Atkins there. And Brody was opening, and Brody sees me in the crowd and points me out in the crowd and, like, tries to pick on me from here on out. <laughs> and it was laughing because I, I kind of said, okay, what else can I do? Like, I don't want to be the groupie. I don't want to be the dude that goes places and goes, I, oh, I know the band. Uh-huh, yeah, what do you do, stand in a corner and drink beer? Like, no, I want to actually do something else with it. So we, uh, I, see, I see Brody after his set standing behind his merch table. I walk up to him and I go, hey, Brody, you, you need somebody to sell your merch. Granted, I was four or five beers deep, mm. but which made it even funnier. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, do you know anybody? And I just point at myself like this. <laughs> and uh, I get this phone call from him and my first gig selling merch. So it was kind of like a promotion from like low level help somebody load in to, okay, here's my promotion. And I get a phone call. Oh yeah, we're opening for Leonard Skinner, by the way. Ooh, that's right. Super, that's pretty. That's cool. pretty sweet. We're opening for Leonard Skinner. Uh, call me when you get here, Thunder Valley. This is the date. I was like, holy crap. Okay, so I was I, I peel out from work, head out there, and it was hilarious because I called him. I go, you know, where do I go? He goes, go to the back gate, ask for Earl Gray, like the T. Yeah. <laughs> right. And one of his buddies' names was Earl, the Earl, but they called him Earl Gray. And I was like, what the fuck? I get handed the, the backstage pass, all access. I go wherever I want, do whatever I want. I was like, what the fuck? I'm looking around. I'm like, that's Leonard Skinner's trailer. <laughs> I'm like, I can walk over there and knock on the door. What the hell? <laughs> and then I walk in and like, Brody lines me up where I'm setting up merch. So I do this. And that was an experience. If you can get a chance, if you've never seen Skinner, there should be on their final tour. If you ever get a chance to do it. Freebird on stage. I know it's the most annoying thing ever. Because I'll get to my whole cover band spiel in a bit. The most annoying thing ever, but let me tell you, Freebird, live, Skinner, it's an out-of-body experience. I bet. I have I, no doubt. Dude, I can believe it. out-of-body experience. I was like, this is this is like Jesus just came down on stage for about five minutes, seven minutes, depending on what solo they do. You know what's funny about that is how funny it is, like, us as musicians, we're all like, oh, yeah, play Freebird on stage, because, you know, that's the thing. Play Freebird, right? <laughs> but it's like... It's such a shreddy song. Oh, unbelievable. And especially when they add the whole piano part to it. But the funny story about that, so my buddy Zach Waters, ZWB, we're at Dell's Pizza in Fair Oaks, and I'm like, I'm just wanting to be a total shithead to him. And I yell, Freebird! He starts playing it. (laughs) Everybody's like, I got Freebird right here. And I'm like, no. He actually starts playing it, and then his bass player sang the song. Bass players are good for something, by the way. Hell yeah, they are. We're still trying to figure it out. I'll get to my bass, my my bass player spiel also. There, there, there's some meat to this this podcast. There's some meat to this. I can feel it. Yeah, I can feel it. We had a nine one flicks come out and do a video for us last week. Dude, I saw that. Dude, we got it today. No way. Hey, I'll show it to you afterwards. Hell yeah. yeah, it's dope. But dude, Jordan looks like a fucking rocker dude his fingers are flying and that guy yeah like he got the string vibration on it no way dude yeah it, it, the bass looks dope that's yeah. that's wicked i have to say though to give you credit because i always love dogging on bass players bass players first drummer second 
Even though I look to my left and I see a bass player and a drummer. But they're usually a team, so that's a that's usually, a, usually. Oh, yeah, the backbone, the backbone of the band. Yeah. But the uh, yeah, I I lost my train of thought. No, bass players when we did Folsom City Limits are always an issue on stage. But like I said, I'll get to that later. And they're also good bass players are hard to find. That's what I was trying to say. Yes. But good bass players are hard to find. They got to so, groove with the music or else it ain't worth nothing. Oh, exactly. So don't fuck up. <laughs> That's my best advice for you. But yeah, back to the whole initial story. So as time went on, I worked two shows for Brody. I worked that one, and then I worked Wolf Fest back in, oh, I want to say it was 2012, 2011, 2012. Big and Rich was headlining. Big and wow. Rich was headlining. Uh, Joey Hyde was there. He kind of fell off the face of the Nashville planet. I can't remember who else, but that was... That was fun, but I was starting to realize I'm enjoying myself, but this dude's treating me like an indentured servant. And then I go, no, 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 I, I need to kind of part ways. Well, his bass player and his guitar player leave the band. Oh. They, they're getting, because stuff was heated at the time. Brody might hear this, might listen to this. Love you, love you, dude. We, uh, we, we patched up things between Brody and I. Yeah. But at the time, I was just not having it. So his bass player and his and his and his uh, one of his guitar players leave and they start this band called Blackburn Bullet. That's a good name. It was epic. Drummer's last name actually was Blackburn, but it was not initially uh. where the band came from. So I get told about this because Rod Rod Simpkins is his name. Who he also well, I, I'm going to drop a bunch of names just to let you. Oh, know. good for them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, good for them or bad for them. You're getting me in my very candid it's, moment right now. It's all the thing. It's all the realness of the music industry. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all just real people. I mean, real mistakes and real forgiveness. Right? Exactly. And the realness of me as a character. Yeah. You, they, want to talk, you want to talk to somebody about that? Talk to Chuck about me. He'll know. Oh, but, yeah. So, they start, and then they go, we need your help. And by the way, we'll pay you. Because Brody wasn't paying me. Yeah. I was there for the experience. I was a single guy, 22, 23, just thinking, what's the greatest way I can meet women and not play music, work for the band. Yep. Right naturally. Plain and simple. Yeah, that's... And I, I thought this would be legendary. And it was. And then it just got better from there. Because Blackburn Bullet, I'm like, I'm getting my travel comped at least. Mm-hmm. Us is nuts. I worked a show they opened for Frankie Ballard. I worked a show they opened for Craig Campbell. The Craig Campbell show was insane. So it was City Belt Grove. I think they have a park in this, like, random parking lot that we were in. They pulled in this stage... And it was this big, like, inflatable trailer stage that they'd used the Vans warp Tour. And brought in this gnarly sound system, like, Blackburn Bullet was going to open for Craig Campbell right there. So I show up to the gig, cowboy hat, you know, you, you guys know how I normally work. And then I go, uh, I'm looking around, where's the guys? Call them. Oh, yeah, we're here, we're at the restaurant across the street. After I'd walked up to the gate, here's two Elk Grove PD standing there. And they're, I, they're like, oh, are you a part of this? I go, yeah, I, I, merch guy for Blackburn Roll. Oh, come on back. And just let me in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? I just walk right by Craig Campbell's bus. Yeah. I'm like, can't find the merch going, all right, guys, where's stuff? Because I want to mm-hmm. start setting things up and, you know, do my job. Yeah. Oh, come across the street. It's a, the, there was this uh, restaurant at the time, I think they closed, had three big red umbrellas out front. They're like, yeah, come over here. Oh, okay. So I walk across and I go, where the fuck are they? So I walk around the corner. Here's these two, like, I'm not kidding you guys, like seven foot six bodyguards <laughs> with earpieces looking all like, like I was going into a strip club or something, but it was a private back room. Mm. And I was like, is uh, Blackburn Bullet back here? Oh, yeah, come on back. Okay, this is weird. Here's Craig Campbell 
sitting at the head of the table, his entire road crew and his band, all this big, long table, covered in plates of food, like all sorts of wild shit. And here's the guys from Blackburn Bullet. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. They're like, yeah, sit down. They're like, did you get dinner? No, no, yeah. They're like, dude, it's on the city of Elk Grove. I go, what? <laughs> They're like, yeah, drinks on the city of Elk Grove. So I was like, I feel like a pirate tonight, boys. I get a, I get a rum and coke. <laughs> I was like, here we go. So meanwhile, I took my a bunch of friends with me that had tickets to the show. They were at a Chinese food restaurant at a bar like two doors <laughs> down. They had, this Chinese food restaurant had a bar in the back of it, and they were just partying down. They're pre-gaming like no other, and I'm like, I got to work. But work turned into a serious party. So as time went on with that, with Blackburn Bullet, it became a serious party. Billy Blackburn uh, was the original lead singer. The dude, if you look him up, he's got an extreme resume for like, I don't want to call it alternative rock, but it's not really country. Like, dude's got a voice. Yeah. And it's it's insane. I looked at, I ended up actually finding his original record at uh, Dimple Records in Roseville when they were closing. Oh, And dude. I took a picture of it and I sent it to him. I go, does this, this look familiar? <laughs> and he's like, dude, people have been sending me those lately. They're like, what the hell? <laughs> so, Billy, Billy and Rod, they bumped heads, which happens. Mm-hmm. And then Billy left the band. Well, we had Wolf Fest, the very last Wolf Fest lined up. And I was like, Rod, who are you getting for a singer? Like, those are big shoes to fill. Have you ever heard Billy with the band? Oh, my God. Like, that dude, I, I heard him one time literally overpower a PA. <laughs> oh, shit. Like, his voice was that nuts. Oh, wow. And I was like, what the fuck? So, he goes and tells me, I got somebody that you might know who he is. And I was like, okay. He goes, but, but I can't tell you yet. So, I show up to Wolf Fest. And there's a guy by the name of Hollywood Yates, Don Yates. This dude, NFR barrel man multiple time, Hollywood stuntman, professional wrestler, country music singer. I, I, he's got a resume that's 14 miles long of whatever. And I was like, oh, I knew who he was from, uh, he was Wolf on American Gladiator. Oh, okay. On the second go around American Gladiator. So I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, holy crap, we got him? Like, this dude looks like a muscled-up Trace Atkins. And Trace <laughs> Atkins is not a small guy. Yeah. But Hollywood's Hollywood's a big dude. Mm-hmm. Like, dwarfed me. I was like, holy crap. I'm a huge fan. Like, this is rad. And the, the, the band sounded completely different. And I was like, whoa. Well, something happened. I don't know what. But the band had dissolved at one point uh, later on. But to backtrack a little bit, there were two backup singers originally in Blackburn Bullet. Two smoke show little blonde girls that i met and i was like first night the the debut show this big rager of a party they had at opera house saloon in roseville and uh i show up to sell merch and i was like holy crap like this is insane opera house was sold out wow. for this like and i think capacity in there's like 400 and i was like this is crazy so i see these two hot blonde girls and i was i was like hi well they started a band and that's ariel jean and amber joy Okay. The Aerial Gene Band. Well, as time went on, I started, like, Ariel reaches out to me and she goes, I'm booking these shows and they're like a two or three band act. And uh, would you want to come, like, introduce the bands? And I was like, yeah, sure. Nice. Then I start doing the MC stuff. I Blackburn Bullet broke up. I strayed away from doing the merch stuff. Merch is great. Anybody listening, if you're a single guy and you want to meet women and you're kind of shy... Hit up your local band, offer to sell merch, 
Literally do it for free for a couple times. It's addicting. Great advice. I mean, I, I can give that to a dude who's like 22, 23, like just starting to go to bars, like just starting to hang out, and but a little too like like hesitant to meet women. Yeah. It's it's throwing a steak in a piranha tank, boys. I'm not kidding. <laughs> that is the metaphor. Throwing a stank stank. Throwing a steak in a piranha tank. <laughs> I'm like I just got off a ten hour day or ten hour day at work at my day job, so my brain's kind of like Bing 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 Bing. I look like Frogger right now. No, oh, oh, shit. Across the highway. So I started doing these for Ariel, and they were great. Met a lot of super cool people through them. I met a direct descendant, and I think she was his niece of Glenn Campbell. Ooh, wow, really? Yeah, that's really. You cool. guys need to look up a girl named Miller Campbell. She's Pacific Northwest country music. I think she's from Seattle. Okay, wow. And I'm standing backstage, like, single guy at the time, been for a while. Here's this foxy redhead, and I'm like, and I'm about to go introduce you. Holy shit. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm, like, falling all over myself. And then from there, I did a few of those shows, and I've done some other various things mm-hmm. from yeah, from time to time. The I, I literally, I'll, I'll get a phone call. Hey, I need somebody for this. Oh, that'd be great. New Year's Eve shows are the best. Moonshine Crazy had me do New Year's Eve last year. Oh, I, at Opera House, I started drinking like the minute I showed up. It was it was great. It was a, an absolute rager. So time went on, and uh, the funniest story about you know when he said musicians they, you know they'll make friends, they'll break up, they'll fight each other, what, and then they'll always make up. So when I was in Blackburn Bullet, with Blackburn Bullet, I never was in the band. They'd always pull me up on stage as kind of like a whole gag to sell merch. Oh hey, this is our merch guy, and guess what? He's got a voice. Well, I told, I told Hollywood one night that my girlfriend at the time, her family was there. I said, hey, my girlfriend's family's here. Let me do Big Kenny's verse. And he's like, oh, no, that's my verse. And then Rod had said to me, and I will honestly call him out for this because I proved it to be wrong, that he absolutely could not stand to be, to, to share the limelight with somebody else. He wanted to be the center of attention. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I couldn't sing that verse. There was one time I got on stage with Brody at Opera House. That was the night I met met Cliff Huey. Cliff Huey and I both get on stage and look at each other like, who the hell are you? <sighs> and then Cliff starts to sing that verse. I have it on video somewhere buried in my Facebook of Brody stopping him mid-first line. Stopping him and going, no, 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 no. That's my boy Ian's verse. Ian, take it away. And I somebody got that on video, and I was like, thank God, because that was like, Whoa. Yeah. Like, this dude's a successful local musician, and I'm like, and he, he just got told to shut the fuck up and let me go. <laughs> That's how it happens, man. <laughs> well, I, yeah, if, if you've been to a show, you see me on stage, you see me interact with people, I get down. I have yeah. I, I have so much fun, it should be illegal. Nothing yeah. but a good resume from what I've seen. And it just, dude, it gets weirder, it gets better. So, to conclude the whole story with, with Blackburn Bullet and Dawn, well... Don's his real name. I shouldn't call him Don Hollywood. Sorry, Hollywood. Uh, to conclude the whole story with Hollywood, so we're down NFR 2019 in Vegas. Hollywood picks up an acoustic gig at the at the PBR Rock Bar, which you guys go to Vegas. Highly recommend it. It's fucking wild. So we go and leave uh, Shania Twain. We went and saw Shania Twain that night. Go and leave, and I realized PBR Rock Bar is like right there because we wanted to go to Taco Bell Cantina. You know, what do two drunk people want to do at 10 o'clock at night in Vegas, go eat Taco Bell and drink more tequila. Okay. So me and the girlfriend, we go walking by, I go, oh, that's PBR Rock Bar. 
oh, my buddy Don's here, and he's playing acoustic. And then Bethany was like, wait, who, what? You have a friend playing in Vegas tonight? Yeah. And then I poked my head through the window. I got my Scully shirt on, you know. I got I got my felt my felt cowboy hat. I had to look good for Shania. You know, of you're course. gonna go see Shania. Right, right. The, the the godmother of country music. Second love, man. Oh god. That was yeah, my my second love for so long. And uh still basically is. Sorry to Miranda Lambert, Shania Twain, all day. Uh, that that was a tough one. <laughs> that was a very tough Who's one. Who's the first? Well, definitely gotta save the girlfriend. I mean I have Smart. to. Smart. Yes. Smart. Definitely have to say Shania Bethany. Twain's my third love. Okay, yeah. That would move Shania Twain to my third love. <laughs> definitely my second love. But yeah, definitely got to say, definitely got to say Bethany. But, uh, so back to this, Bethany and I, we walk by and we see, I look through the window and he sees me and he points at me and I'm like, he sees me from like 70 yards away. Like, <laughs> I mean, my head's huge. I have a size eight hat, guys. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to miss. It's like a freaking flying saucer half the time. So, I was like, oh, we'll be back. And I look I look like that, and we take off. I'm like, we're going to go in there. And she goes, oh, okay, yeah, that, that'd be fun. So Bethany was a huge American Gladiator fan. Did not realize who he was. <laughs> we walk in there, and because I'm like, we're standing in line to pay cover, which, I mean, I love Vegas, dude. Pay cover, you get two drink tickets. That's I was rad. like, what? This is rad. And then I hear, Ian, get your ass in here. And I'm like, whoa. And Bethany looked at me. She's like, oh, he does know it's you. I go, yep. We walk in. You know, I, I give him knuckles. And she's like, oh, my God, that's Wolf from American Gladiator. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's my buddy Don. Yeah, he was the front man of Blackburn Bullet. Oh, and she's shit. like, what? And then the even crazier part, we sit down. We're enjoying the show because acoustic, he's awesome. And uh, when he starts playing his originals. But all of a sudden, he reaches. there's a second mic. He reaches over, turns it on. Tap, tap, tap. And then just turns his head and stares at me. And I look at Bethany and I go, get your phone out. <laughs> so I go and do Save a Horse Ride a Cowboy in Vegas at PBR Rock Bar uh, with Hollywood AIDS. Yeah. So that was that was epic. And then I get to, uh, so that kind of, that's kind of how I got into things. And then from there, it's been ideas and weird stuff I had. Like case in point was Folsom City Limits. Mm-hmm. So Adam Frick and I, we're we, I call us we're like the Folsom TV wrecking crew. We're the we're the he's my partner in crime, the dude that had all the camera gear. Yes, one of the dudes that had the camera. Him and John Testa, and uh, I threw this idea at him like right when I met him, is my friend Megan. Well, I'll even backtrack here because I'm telling a story like Quentin Tarantino films a movie, where I'm telling <laughs> bits and pieces and you kind of got to connect the dots. Let me back up. So, 19 year old me, 19 20 year old me started going to the Folsom Rodeo. And I would go specifically for, I mean, what else is every, what else is every actual cowboy go to that rodeo for? Not for the rodeo itself. You go for the women. <laughs> and me and my buddy, we'd sit on the tailgate of the truck. We'd drink beer and watch everybody walk in. And we'd go in. We'd party all night long. And uh, I saw this dude running through the stands. And he was dressed like Uncle Sam. He was the MC, And he was having fun. And I said, I want to be that. I want to do that. I, I need to meet that guy at some point. So I found out he was Folsom TV. I looked things up, and I'm like, I'm like kind of in the background watching what he's doing. Like, I'm, I'm curious. Like, I want to know how to get into what he's doing, get, be a part of that. Well, then I end up meeting my friend Megan Demmel. And uh, Megan goes, oh, I just, you know, I, she finally dated somebody. She was single for a long time. 
she said she was finally dating somebody and her and I were super good friends still to this day I actually was just on the phone with her earlier and she was like I uh I, I got a new guy and I was like oh really and I find out it's Adam and I go oh shit so I pitched the idea to Adam for Folsom City Limits I think it might have been a week later like we ended up running into each other at Powerhouse and then he kind of shelved the idea well, also in this whole spectrum of time, I strayed away from the cover band kind of people or the people that you would see at like Opera House or something like that. I go and meet Bobby Dixon. Oh, great guy, dude. I, right. Bobby, I know you'll listen to this, dude. I, out, out of everybody I know, and I will go on air, on record, which, I mean, it's recording right now, two of the most wholesome, awesome people that I've ever had the privilege to meet through music are Bobby Dixon and Chuck Humphreys. Bobby and Chuck. Chuck's like an older brother to me. Bobby's like an uncle. I mean, Bobby took me back to his place. We killed a bottle of Pendleton. I woke up with the weirdest hangover. Like I was in Wayne's World thinking th- thinking of uh, a naked Indian and, and Jim Morrison just came to me in my sleep. <laughs> like that was, that was the crazy part. So I end up meeting all these people. I meet Billy Hood. I meet Sean Cahoon from Rancho Deluxe all these other folks and I start getting more exposed to what John Emery and I actually call left of the dial or what John Emery coined as left of the dial. I still call it that. I meet John Emery cause I went to go see Bob Wayne and the outlaw carnies, yep. which haven't seen him. He very rarely comes around here anymore. Highly recommend it. You guys would dig it. Outlaw carnies, Bo- Bob Wayne and the outlaw carnies. He would That's be a slick name. You guys would be picture perfect to open for <laughs> him too. Really? Oh, I'm dead serious. Oh, cool. I'm dead serious. Mm-hmm. If I, if I come across something about that, I will throw your name out there oh, for sure. Cool. For dude. Sure. I want to check him out. Yeah. Cause Bob Wayne and the outlaw carnies, he does a song called everything's legal in Alabama. <laughs> nice. Like, and it just think about the weird, most twisted shit you can think of. So I mean, I go to see Bob Wayne because I was interning at a fab shop, and the guy on the fab shop was jamming Bob Wayne one day, and I was like, who is this? I fucking love it. It's like hillbilly speed metal. <laughs> and I was like, this is fucking sick. And I get exposed to Hank 3 as I seen him on the wall, and Bob Wayne, and then Bob Wayne played at the Blue Lamp. This is how long ago it was, at the Blue Lamp, sack. And John Emery and the, out, and the, it was John Emery and the Dry County Drinkers at the time opened the show. And I'd heard John's name, and I took, I took pictures like a young dude with a phone where everybody's always with phones. And John loved him. John sent me a bunch of merch and a thank you for pictures. And I was like, oh, crap. So him and I started talking. And then I got exposed to, like I said, Bobby, all these other people, Matt Gage, for instance. I can't remember how I – oh, I remember how I met Matt. This is a fun story. So I'm on a date with this really dumb girl that I will not name again. And we're at uh, Ace of Spades. We're at Ace of Spades, and I see this bill where Parmalee's headlining, which, for a Nashville-based act, they're fun. I've met them before. They're great guys. And uh, they were headlining. I thought that'd be a fun show to take a girl to. Well, I see Matt Gage as an opener, and I go, who's this? And I start, I, I look at him on social media, and I go, oh, I'm going to like this guy. And I remember she was being all crabby and weird, and we had to go get food. So we go over into the little side thing at Ace of Spades, and I hear Matt on stage go, who wants to hear a fucking Johnny Cash song? And I was like, me, me. I'm like, I love you. And then I hit him up on social media, and we chatted a little bit, and shit, we became like the best of friends after that. That's cool. And then it just kind of, one thing, 
I look at the whole, the folks that don't play covers, the folks that play covers, they're vicious to one another. Yeah. And this is where I can get into the cover band tirade. It, it'll kind of be a nice prelude. The the folks that play left of the dial, you guys are all copacetic with one another. Yeah. Like, you know, I was we were just at the Damn Liars record release show. I love seeing other artists doing well. Which, oh, by, like, by the way, yeah. if you're listening to this and you have not looked up the Damn Liars, do it. Fool's New gold. album, Fool's Gold. Fucking epic. Yeah, epic. It is really Great good. concept album. Oh, I- insane concept so album. Well. I didn't expect that. I was playing it in my truck, and I'm like... The fight scene brought it out. I was like, yeah. well, it made me stop my like where I was standing and be like, whoa, whoa that's intense. Chuck, Chuck's mind and the things he does, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. So how I met Chuck, and this is where Chuck kind of works his way into a whole bunch of other things. So I was going out to the Ultra Four Nationals in, because I'm a big off-road racing motorsports guy, obviously. Uh, I'm going out to Reno, and Matt had a gig at uh, what used to be Studio on 4th. Or, yeah, Studio on 4th. It's now the, uh, I think it's like the, the analog rock bar or something weird like that now, but it was Studio on 4th. And I go in there. There's not a whole lot of people in there, but I'm like, the race isn't until tomorrow morning. I'm sleeping in the back of my truck. I really don't care. So I'm hanging out with the guys. Chuck had just moved here from Utah and was playing bass for Matt. Okay, yeah. And I was like, holy crap, like, this dude's awesome, super nice guy. I met his wife, Annie, love her to death. Mm. I mean, my sister's name's Annie, but, you know, <laughs> and my sister's, you know, whatever. But Annie, Chuck's wife, love her to death. She's, I help out the folks with Avocado Print, obviously, with the yeah. Outlaws of the Golden State merch. If you haven't bought it yet, do it. We were just there last night over uh, in Marysville with oh, yeah? them unloading their new, uh, they got an automatic screen printing oh, machine. Oh, shit. And Mr. Mike Hellman yeah, was over there. Move. Oh, that's that's another guy I met through that whole career. Yeah. Hellman, he's he's a wild animal. Yeah. He just moved to Santa Cruz, I think. He yeah. did. He's loving it. I, I don't see why he wouldn't, though. Which, <laughs> the weirdest thing is, if you go, like, in that area, you look at, like, the whole schedule of, say, like, Dale Watson's touring. Mm-hmm. He'll play the Catalyst in Santa Cruz. He won't touch Sacramento, but he'll well, play the Catalyst in Santa Cruz. Why would you? <laughs> so, that like I said, it'll get me all back to, to my cover band, my cover band spiel. Okay. But, because uh, it all kind of, for those of you listening that don't understand, my brain is acting like a ping pong ball right now. But. It'll make sense at the end. It'll, it'll all, it'll all tie together. It's like a, it's like a really weird grapevine. Yeah. You know, yeah. it'll. Yeah. The, the means justify the end. Exactly. Exactly. So, we're, oh, back, so, I end up meeting all these guys. I meet Matt. Uh, Bobby was looking to do a black grass, like, concept side project band from the Cash Profits. And he was looking for a lap steel player. Well, Chuck plays everything with strings and everything without. Mm-hmm. As you know, you go upstairs into, into Peach City Studio. Yeah, so Peach much City fun. Sound, everything. which, by the way, Peach City Sound. Yeah. We'll throw another, you know, shout fruitless out. sponsor shout out here. Peach City Sound for all your recording needs in Marysville. There you go. So, yet, and I, was, I connected the two of them. Next thing I know, I'm going out to dinner with the girlfriend at the time and the cash profits there. And Chuck's playing pedal steel. Yes. And I go, what happened? What? 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 And then uh, Nate took took time off from the cash profits, Bobby's son, and Chuck filled in on bass. And then it all worked. Then Chuck starts his own band, The Lonesome Forty. I was there for three songs of their one and only show, which was at Studio on Fourth. Which it was weird because it was supposed to start at a certain time. I'm back in the hotel room pre gaming like a good boy, <laughs> because that's what we do, and. Uh, 
all of a sudden I get a video and I'm like, fuck, they already started. And I'm like trying to dial up their Uber to go. And then we get there and we catch three songs. And if that band would have gone more than just that show, that was what the damn liars are now. Oh, cool. And it all like, it all has cohesively worked itself. But what these guys have done for me, which after 10 years of motocross racing, I was involved in basically a big family. I was looking for that kind of environment again, and in comes the folks that are left of the dial. In comes Bobby, in comes Chuck, Matt, uh, Sean Cahoon, everybody else. And I see that they're having a hard time getting booked. I see that they're having a hard time with certain, like, they want to play. And all these people are talented in their own way. All these people are talented, period. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what can I do to help them? Because they literally opened their arms and accepted me. They got me to start playing guitar again. I hadn't touched a guitar since I was like 10. Uh, and Matt, it was a combination of Matt and Billy Hood because I was thinking who who peer pressured me into writing music. I have about seven or eight unfinished songs that I've not gotten back to that are on my phone right now. But I put a song together called Going Back that if you look it up, John Emery co-wrote it with me because I sent him a, uh, oh God, it was stupid long. It was like an essay. Uh, and I just wrote it to like a weird rhythm and he goes can I touch this up and use it I said give me writer's credit so if you look on his album it's called Americana if you look on his album going back my name is on the inside of uh, for writer's credit I thought it was the coolest shit and uh song's kind of hard to find because he hasn't played it in a while but it was something I wrote sitting in a hotel room when I was working for the railroad with a broken heart going what am I going to do to suppress all of this? Which I started finding that as a lot of a crazy outlet for different things. It's, I can't remember, between Gabe and Chuck, they both really touched on it when they were here uh, for their episode. They really touched on, like, with music, with what it does for somebody. And it, it kind of helped plug that hole that was left in me. But I never, like, I wanted to start doing acoustic shows and do stuff on my own. And then I started kind of going, I don't know, I was weighing out the idea. And, uh, but, backwards again, like I said, ping pong ball. Backwards again. So, I start getting kind of more peer pressure from other, from Sean Cahoon was a big one, a bunch of other people. And uh, they wanted me to start getting into the business side for, as a talent buyer, as a booking agent. I thought, where the fuck do I start? You know, there's, you look at certain places around Sacramento, they always have the same people that loop through there. Well, this is where this part of the conversation is going to get kind of gritty, but you know what? I don't care. That's the fun part. I said, I'd be candid for you guys. So nice. I, I, I was looking into fucking Jesse's headphones, right? Big head. Remember? So I was looking into how to do it, what to do it, what are the parameters, like educating myself. Because I saw a clientele that could use the exposure, the help, the money, because there's no reason why they shouldn't be playing at Powerhouse on a Saturday night, in my mind. Granted, my mind does not work like the majority of venue owners in Sacramento. They just want to get people drunk and have them start dancing. Yeah. Which, I mean, I've heard cover bands on stage at Powerhouse and been like, your guitar's out of tune. You can't sing on key. You yes. can't sing on pitch. Yes, sometimes. Drummer is boring as hell. But some of them have been just 
unbelievable. And I'm just like, it, it baffles me where they can charge a premium for what they do. And you guys are like, not you guys in particular, but some folks struggle for like a $500 three hour show. Oh, easy. We're, we're nowhere near that. Yeah. Which you should be. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. Like, yeah. if there's one thing that I can tell musicians that might be listening to this, understand your value. Like, if you're just getting into the scene, if you're just starting to book more, you need to understand your value and accept nothing less. Because if you don't play, I understand you want to play every weekend. That's great. But if you don't play super often, but you play quality shows, that is what I see that sets people apart. Like, for instance, we'll take one of my real good friends. You've both been performed before. Jake Jacobson. Yeah. Jake, Jake and I, we bonded over Folsom City Limits. And dude's now a super good friend of mine. Completely killing it. Just opened the Reno Rodeo for Justin Moore last night. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. He's been on tour with Randall King. This dude's a powerhouse. So he, it was funny because he got a phone call. And I'll just say it. He got a phone call from TEI. Because TEI has the monopoly of venues in the greater Sacramento area. It's sad. Monopoly. I found this out through all my through all my business, but I'll get to that in a minute. So they wanted they're like, oh yeah, eight hundred dollars play three hours of covers at Valencia Club or at Powerhouse on a Thursday night. And he goes, No. Yeah. He straight up said no. Because Jake knows his value. Jake knows his value and he has this like superhuman work ethic about him. I fucking love him for it. Where some people take him in the wrong manner, but I look at him and I go, this is a dude who will be on country radio. I give it, at the rate he's going, two years, he's about ready to drop his first EP. Yeah. And it's, let's just say I might have heard more than the average person. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. He's also working with the same producer as Randall King and Cody Johnson. Yeah. That has, that has something to do with it. But look at Nate Smith, another, another big Nashville guy. He didn't play a lot locally, but he played quality shows. If that's the one thing, if you're a musician right now listening to this, if that's the one thing from my perspective that I can give to all of you, as I'm talking to the mic like I'm talking to an audience, uh, just realize your value and don't accept anything less. You know, if you want to, if you want to be a garage band, you want to play every weekend for a hundred dollars for three of you to play five hours. That's your prerogative. But if you want to develop a fan base, develop a following, sell merch, get bigger shows, put yourself out there to quality shows and introduce yourselves to the right people. Another one. I'm not DJ Khaled, I swear. Another one. (laughs) And another one. (laughs) Austin Moe, one of my rocker buddies. Super proud of what he's doing. Frank Hannon's his producer right now from Tesla. Oh, cool. Dude, Austin got with the right people. Austin was my second act I had on Folsom City Limits. And I, I reached out to him because I was like, I want rock and roll, and I want I want that. Like, I want something, because when I did that entire show, I, uh, I wanted some depth. I wanted some different stuff. And then now he just opened for Tesla at Thunder Valley. Oh, good. That's so cool, yeah. yeah and I'm pretty sure it sold out. I'm sure. It's lo- hometown heroes, man. But also, he's another guy. He doesn't sell himself short. He plays quality shows. So play quality. Don't accept anything less than your worth. 
and stand on your on stand on that because as musicians together and I see it happen too much too many people will cut each other's throats to get gigs cover bands do it all the time yeah cover bands they'll run their mouths about other cover bands I got other stories about that that I probably shouldn't even talk about they'll run their mouths they'll shoot themselves in the foot but yet they have their own built-in audience because they've gone out and made friends with everybody which that's a great tactic but when you go see said cover band and that group of people only shows up to every show that that band does and they don't go see anybody else they won't go see outlaws in the golden state they won't go see the damn liars i try and send them stuff they don't even care because they want to listen to place cover band name here they want to listen to you know quote-unquote generic cover band that plays all your top 40 favorites like the Lego movie. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so that that's another suit. That, that's me with my whole cover band tirade because, like Gabe said, nostalgia is killing off things for you guys. Because there's no reason why you guys shouldn't accept a show for, in my opinion, under 800 bucks. Yeah. And that's just from what I've seen. $800, three-hour show, Valencia Club, have the place going crazy. Instead of line dancers, you're punk tree. You got a mosh pit yeah. where the line dancers yeah. are. Need it. But $800. Like, that's a, for, for you guys, three-piece band, that's perfect. That's a livable wage. <laughs> exactly. That's more there, than and, livable. Well, yeah. that's more than livable yeah. normally, but if you think about it, there's so many other people that will accept less. And there's so many other venues that will throw it out there. I was trying to help a couple friends of mine book some acoustic gigs. Can you guys, for the life of me, wrap your mind around this? I'm not going to throw the bar under the bus. I'll just say it's in Fair Oaks or Carmichael, somewhere in there. And I thought, oh, this would be a great venue for this person. So I get a hold of him. $100 for three hours. Wow. Yeah, well. $100 for three hours. And I was like, are you high? What kind of fucking drugs are you on? Yeah, it makes me feel really dumb. Yeah, because yeah, like w our first year, we decided we're gonna do one hundred and fifty dollars for three hour shows. But your first year, yeah. getting yourself out there, that's okay. That's valid. Yeah, I feel like four years in, you shouldn't be. Four excited. years in, like I said, don't yeah. touch anything. If you really want it, take it for like five hundred bucks, but yeah. nothing less. Yeah. But nothing less. One hundred fifty bucks, three hours. That's terrible. But there are venues that will do it. I had another, I was trying to help out uh, Nick, Beard Picker. Yeah. Beard, beard Picker and the Collar Blues. Great. An another shout out for another musician. Like I said, I was going to drop a bunch of names. Beard Picker and the Collar Blues. New album out for him. He's got two other singles in the works. And he's got some big stuff coming. He's opening for Craig Campbell uh, in two weeks. Oh, that's cool. At that Folsom cool. Hotel. Yes, which that's right. That's, that's fulfilling it. a dream of his. Yeah, that's which, really cool. You know, when I end up getting off of my cover band spiel back into Folsom City Limits and what it's done for people, uh, which that's the reason why I'm sitting here in this epic studio. <laughs> you know, that's the reason why I'm sitting here is Folsom City Limits. I wouldn't have known who you were. Yeah. And uh, so back to all that, because I don't want to sit here and turn this into a big negative Nancy rant on that. But, you know, to cover that whole topic again, like Gabe said, nostalgia is ruining the music scene in Sacramento. So, anybody who loves music, if you're a, if you want to hear something new, something different, the one thing inflation has not messed up is the cover to get into a bar. True. The That's one true. thing.
the one thing that President Pudding Cup, President Potato Head, <laughs> has not screwed up is the cover band is the cover to get into a bar. You might pay ten, you might pay fifteen, but I'll tell you what, to go to the Folsom Hotel to see somebody like Sam Morrow. He's coming to Folsom Hotel on uh, September second on my birthday. I'll be out of town, otherwise I go check him out. Uh, I was just there couple months ago for tyler and the train robbers that was like a 15 dollars show mm-hmm. but yet there were like 30 people in there but what was disheartening was seeing the crowd that came in at 10 o'clock when the band broke down and the dj got on the stage yes that's it is disheartening which yeah some of my couple of my best friends are djs one yeah. of them happens to be the goldfield house dj yeah. DJ CJ. CJ, yeah, no, we're there's, friends on Facebook. Dude, cool. there's no one better in Sacramento than him. Yeah. I will I will lay down money on that. So my whole and that bugged me when I saw that. Like here's another one that's even crazier. So I'll throw a name at you at you, you might not know. Pee Wee Moore. Hmm. Cecil Allen Moore. Yeah, no. Same person. He changed his name. Cecil Allen Moore, I think he's in Texas or Tennessee now. Look him up. He's an animal. Like, that's one of the greatest Telecaster players I've ever seen. Plays a completely custom telly, too. It's crazy. So, my buddy Mark Pittman, who kind of, him and I, like, he helped show me kind of some of the ropes with, with things with the music business. Because he did the Hangtown Honky Tonk Fest a few years ago. Which I wish would have became a yearly thing. But that lineup was to die for but also he stayed in touch with a lot of people. Well, Cecil, who also is a guitar player for Dave and Alan Co. Wow. Fun fact. Wow. And yeah, also the guitar player for Dave and Alan Co. What other and he played guitar for Roger Allen Wave. Wow. Wow. So yeah. he's he's a fucking beast. And uh he needed a show out here, just a routing show. Mark gets him a show at the Wrangler. Don't know what it paid. I there was a cover band that opened for him. That was way too fucking loud and way too obnoxious. And I was like, ow. And I, I mean, I applaud you guys for doing this, but ow. <laughs> and uh, also it's that room. That room is just loud. It's no a matter funky who. room, yeah. yeah. That room's loud no matter who's there. I want them to take that stage out and put it in the back. Yeah. Right. Put it in the back. Have a full-blown concert venue in the backyard of the Wrangler. That'd be cool. Not like the freaking neighbors around there that are you know, a country mile away are going to get upset. But so Mark goes and books him. I'm one of five people in the room. Five people. Wow. You know what it costs to get into that show? 10 bucks. Yeah. You know what it costs to go see, I'll throw this guy under the bus, Luke Bryan. Yeah. A lot. A lot. It's 40 to $50 to sit in the grass at Wheatland. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, and they, and he'll play the same set every year. Jason Aldean does the same thing. All these other people, I've ragged on them for years. It annoys people sometimes, but I stand <laughs> on my conviction. Where nostalgia, it's the people that want to hear Jason Aldean's very first album. But they don't want to go spend $10 to go see somebody who's here from Tennessee. Yeah. Who's got skills on it. Like, dude, my face melted the fuck off <laughs> when he did. He does a song called Breaker 1-9. Oh, my God. The guitar solo in the beginning. It... it you have to listen to it. Listen to his entire fucking catalog. It's nuts. So that's killed me ever since. So back to the whole business side. I was trying to develop relationships with venues. 
in order to get my foot in. Because TEI runs the area. It sucks. Because guys like me with my mindset can't get an opportunity to go somewhere. We're stuck. Well, I ended up developing an awesome relationship with Opera House Saloon. So I dropped kind of an idea to Rebecca, the owner. And I said, I got this band. They're called the Damn Liars. You should get them. And I sent somebody an email about them. Two days later, I see the Damn Liars posts are going to be in Roseville. And I was like, what? So that whole gig ended up being the very last gig they had before COVID. Oh, dang. The very last gig they had before COVID. Now the whole, in my mind right now, my whole story is starting to actually line up. Because it's, it's, I'm getting away from my rants and shit, and we're working to the good stuff. So the very, John Emery also shared the bill, and they did a really cool format, because I showed up, because I'm like, I have to MC this. I set it up. And they did a really cool format. John did an hour. Damn Liars did an hour. John did an hour. Damn Liars did an hour. And they were done. And they literally, they did, that was their break. They did hour set, hour set, hour set, hour set. And I was like, whoa, this is awesome. And that crowd... So this is back when this made me happy. This showed me there are not sheep in the whole world of being fans. We get there, and it was, I think at the time, Governor Nonsense was, uh, I'm shocked I didn't hear any laughter, Governor Nonsense, Mm -hmm. uh, he had limited us us down to like 200 people in a room, or 250. Mm Mm-hmm. We, I roughly counted about 120 to 150 people in that room. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, what? Yeah. What? Because, you know, you guys have seen The Damn Liars. Out of every local act I've ever seen, the most put together musically, and I was like, they need to be on a big stage. Mm-hmm. They need right. to have a big PA, because this sound is way too big for the little places they're playing. Yeah, right. Way too big. And then they did that, and I was like, my heart is full right now. Even though COVID's about to shut everything down, my heart's full. And I go, wow, like, I did that. I saw pictures of it all. I still have all sorts of stuff. So COVID happens. Everything shuts down. And I'm friends with Megan, friends with Adam. This is where Adam comes back in. Adam hits me up. I see He posts something about wanting to live stream because he has Folsom TV. Another shameless sponsor plug. Folsom TV. <laughs> if you're in the greater Folsom area, you want to live stream an event, hit us up, Folsom.tv, Folsom TV, Facebook, Instagram. There you go. Nice. Look, look at me with my with my ad reads. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> so I see him post something about wanting to live stream bands, and he's getting blown up. And I was, I, I literally just comment on there. I go, Adam, call me. And he texted me back. He goes, oh, my God, thank you. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. I was like, I know you know the, the music, or I know you know the live streaming side. He goes, I don't know the music side. I don't know what to get. I don't know what to do. And I said, okay. Uh, so we talked about it. We figured it out. We came up with the name Folsom City Limits. Because I had initially said to him, I felt the people like you guys, Matt Gage, Damn Liars, you know, ramble off the entire list I've already said, needed somewhere to showcase their talent showcase their skills showcase their music because like when i went to bob wayne bob wayne had like 50 60 people in the room the the blue lamp was a little room but that place got fucking rowdy i miss it (laughs) like you ever 
that was a mosh pit at a country show. Yeah. Like, there was some drunk dude that literally started a mosh pit, and I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. And my little buddy that I had at the time, my buddy Brian, he about no- got knocked on his ass and shoved across the room. <laughs> and I was like, well, Brian, you kind of deserved it, buddy. <laughs> so, back to the whole thing with Adam and Folsom City Limits. So, we came up with the idea, came up with the format. We did it on Thursdays. And he was like, okay, you'll be the guy that books everything. And you'll be the guy that promotes it. I thought, okay, cool. And I thought, fuck, okay. It was Tuesday. No, it was Monday. Monday we had this conversation. I put the word out, but I put the word out very quietly. And my buddy Billy Williams hits me up. Billy Williams is hands down one of the most versatile, awesome acoustic acts in this area. You show up at a Billy Williams show... You don't know if he's going to play country. You don't know if he's going to play rock and roll. You don't know if he's going to do an acoustic version of an LMFAO song. You don't know what he's going to do. The dude is a walking, talking jukebox. And it's amazing because it's not just regurgitating garbage. He is one of my caveats to two different things. He's one of my favorite people that does covers, if not my favorite person that does covers. And he's the only person I will except the fact that he reads song lyrics off an iPad. <laughs> yeah. There's that, something to be said. I was going to say, yeah, that I, we got to check him out then. Yeah, because yeah. I almost have, like, the same caveats. Yeah. So he said he has a, I want to say it was a 600-song library he can play. That makes a lot more sense. And he yeah. even said, he, he even said, he's like, I, I, I sometimes will forget the lyrics, and I literally need to just go, oh, I'm on that line. Oh, okay. Where I've seen other cover bands that people are paying. Oh, one of the neighbors is talking. That was the, one of Corey's girlfriends. <laughs> that was great. That was great. But we were uh, at cover bands. People will pay whatever. And I've watched singers do this. Read directly off the iPad the entire show. Yeah. And I'm like, why did I just pay a cover to watch somebody sing karaoke? Why? That's valid. That is. I, at karaoke of top 40 stuff that they're not even playing good. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, when your guitar tone sounds like brown noise, if you've ever watched South Park, you know what brown noise yeah. is. <laughs> when your guitar tone sounds like brown noise, when the singer can't <laughs> sing on pitch or on key, when the lead singer can't sing on key... Or even really play guitar because the guitar is turned so far down. Yeah. I'm like, why? Yeah. Yeah. So, but back to Folsom City Limits. I had to stray off that topic again. So, Monday, Billy I Billy hits me up. First person, he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll play. I go. And I think he's going to be the perfect, like, limpest test to see if this works. And I talked to Adam, and Adam's like, well, we'll have him film in the back of my office. So Adam has an office, and it's a little 10 by 10 room, and he had a green screen. I didn't know what I was walking into, and I didn't, I, Billy didn't know what he was walking into, so he was a little weirded out. But him and I talked about it a bunch. I talked him down. I said, Billy, as my first person, what's your favorite beer? I'll get you a case. And he goes, because I'm like, I obviously don't have a budget. He goes, Coors Light, which is what's in my hand right now. <laughs> so not shamelessly plugging Coors Light. Do you need another one? We could send Jordan, or we could take a pause after your story. Do you need another beer? Base player beer run? Uh, Would you mind? I just won't run. I'm not that fast. Thanks. Thanks. I'll take one, please. The the only thing I run out of is beer. (laughs) The only thing I run with, yeah, only thing I run is beer. 
But uh, Billy Williams. Yeah, Billy Williams. Thank you. Somebody has to keep me on track. <laughs> so I walk into Adam's office. And he's got a TV back above his desk. He has this big like, like TV producer desk, multiple computers, and I'm like, very vague knowledge of the technical side of all this. And I was like, whoa. And I look up, and he had a camera sitting right next to him. And I'm like, I watch me delayed on this whole backdrop on a TV that's up behind him. And I go, whoa. And I'm like, it's green screen. And he had worked all the graphics in to where it looked like it was the backdrop of a stage. And it was all purples and blue lights. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, this is nuts. And I, I walked out when Billy got there. I'm like, dude, you're going to like this. Yeah. And he comes in. He goes, oh, I didn't know what I was in for. <laughs> he goes, oh, this is cool. <laughs> this is really cool. He played a solid, I think he played a solid two hours for us that night. Two, if not three. And he just went door to door. He didn't talk. Wow. And I was like, whoa, this is intense. And he was like, whoa, that was really fun. Because we're, Adam and I both, like, if you watch the rewatch of Wholesome City Limits episode, you'll see him in screen. I'm sitting just out of the camera shot in, a like, a director's chair. And I'm like, I don't know what mics are picking shit up. I don't know what's going on. I'm like... <laughs> I'm like trying not to laugh half the time or trying not to be like, hell yeah. And uh, it was crazy. And I'll, we look at the live stream afterwards, over 2,000 people. Yeah. It was between like 1,800 and 2,000 people. Organically. I did not share the stream. Organically. And I went, Adam and I both looked at each other and we said, we're on to something. So I thought, okay. I started lining the schedule up. And I, had to, I dug a little bit, but a bunch of weird people, not weird people. But a bunch of people came out of the woodwork that I was like, I don't know who you are, but I'm intrigued. But I'll get to that in a minute. I wanted rock and roll. My first thought, Austin Moe. And then as time went on, I was like, I want to kind of keep, which I, I got crap, from, I got flack from some people for keeping it mostly rock and country music. But what sells in this area? Yeah. Rock and country music. So I got all sorts of different forms of rock. I got all sorts of different forms of country. And it was, it, it was unreal. Because I went from, I can't remember who I had the week before you. Oh, thank you, good sir. Mm -hmm. But I can't remember who I had the week before you, but I, I was telling the girlfriend at the time. I, I was like, I'm, I'm looking for people. And I said, I found this guy, and you were on a, I'd originally found you on a live stream from uh, what was Beerman's. Yeah. And I was like, who is this dude wearing this super official hat? Because, you know, you always know as a cowboy, it's about how you shape your hat. Yeah. Playing a white guitar. <laughs> That's one I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> and I sat there and watched the I was watching the live stream for a while. I'm like, I dig his energy. I like his vibe. I'm like, this is cool. And then I was like, let's see, let's go through my list of people that I literally wrote down. Oh, Jake Gibbons, perfect. Hit you up and you're like, Yeah, I didn't know you were bringing him. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> oh shit. When we were scheduled. Uh this was actually, when we did this... It, it was like was, a third gig. Yeah, it was like in the first two months of us being together. Third gig. Yeah. Like, we did the poorhouse in Grass Valley together, and then I think we might have done Champs together once. And then, like, I was even debating. I was like, do I take him? Do I not? Do I take him? Do I not? And I was like, you know what? We're going, and we're going. As, we didn't even know of our name fully when we told you guys. I think you guys might have came up with the name, like... On the fly. Like, <laughs> sitting outside, smoking outside the whole... Out, which we did was that in or from? I still get questions about that all the time. Yeah. Is it in or from? It depends on where we're at. Come on, use your yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> but what I what I love doing 
with with scheduling different people like you, like I might have had an influence in a bunch of shit you've gotten, and then you had a couple hours of you know you're like oh yeah I'm so and so and this is my band, check us out yeah and you can see what a whole set looks like and it did great dude I, whatever I don't know because it's hard to tell how those kind of things work unless somebody directly tells you I yeah. saw you on this yeah exactly and I've had a few people say that which yeah. has been cool like when we started filming at at Powerhouse because the, the the location I filmed you guys at is a top secret location yeah because right. I would get in a lot of trouble if I said where it was but so like when we first got into Powerhouse I get this phone call from a guy from L.A. And uh, I'm drawing a blank on his last name, but his name's Michael. And he was the manager of a group called Auburn Road. Three-piece uh, female group, which they've since been broken up, unfortunately. This dude had a resume two and a half miles long. Him and his partner have an artist management company in Southern California. Like, the next thing I know, I'm dealing with big L.A. Oh, guy. Shit. And I'm like, I've been doing this. We had done about six, I want to say six or seven Folsom City Limits episodes. And next thing I know, I'm like, I'm getting a call from an L.A. guy. And I'm getting a group that is open for Vince Gill. Yeah. Uh, and, and went on tour with Rascal Flats on the West Coast. Yeah. Well, I mean. I know, I'm just playing. Uh, it's our, that's not our preference. But they're huge. But, they're, but think about it. The, the, the grand scheme of they've been in front of. Yeah. And uh, which, by the way, Kristen Brown now, she's, she was a tall girl on Auburn Road. She's got a show coming up at, uh, she's got a show coming up at, uh, Folsom Hotel. I had to give her a little shout out to you because she's the biggest sweetheart. When's that one? Uh, I need to actually literally pull out my phone and tell you. Because I'll literally, I'll drop dates for, I'll drop dates for shows, I'll do whatever for certain people. Like Kristen. And, be- beer, and Beard Picker. Oh, and Beard Picker. I gotta do that. So, let me see here. We're, we're huge Beard Picker fans. Oh, so, <laughs> he, funny story about him. I'll, I'll tell you how him and I met. And it's a pretty rad story. I'd like to hear it because, yeah, the last, it was the uh, first time I saw you guys together was at uh, Thais's uh, yeah, memorial. Yeah, Thais' memorial. Uh, Kristen is at, which that's her, at Folsom Hotel on June 25th. So oh. she's at Folsom Hotel June 25th. Awesome songwriter. Yeah. Might not necessarily be her personal cup of tea for music, but she's an awesome songwriter. And then Beard Picker. So check this out. This is what I'm most proud of, and this is what tells me that I did something with Folsom City Limits. There's six different names there. Four of the six were on Folsom City Limits. Yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. So if you guys haven't heard, Folsom Hotel, which I swear they don't pay me, but I absolutely love them and I love the venue. Uh, Folsom Hotel has June 30th, July 1st, and July 3rd. They're calling it the the Folsom, the Folsom Hotel Rodeo Series. Jesse Daniels headlining yes. on July June 30th which I can make because I'll be at the rodeo the other nights. Haven't seen him. Need to. Dude's a legend. I've heard great things, and his recorded stuff is awesome. Oh, yeah. dude. Unreal. Jake Jacobson's opening for him. I got to once. Oh, you did? At the Dude Drop. Really? Yeah. I believe it, though. He seems like he'd be an approachable guy. It was a... They actually... A complete class act. Dude, oh, I believe it. One of the coolest things that I ever saw him do, and I haven't seen an artist do it yet. He said they do it in Texas. Is the guy that's opening for you the headliner takes around the tip jar and carries it around for you? Oh, that's sick! And he totally did that, and he, like total class act, great no dude. No way! Yeah, he was really that, cool. That that needs to. I, I, it's a thing. Like, well, I, that needs be. to be a thing in California. That it needs should. to be a thing in California. It's if, so classy, especially if you have an opener. 
anybody listening, once again, if you have an opener, get a tip jar, carry it around for him. Like total, that, that's a class act thing to do. It really is. But yeah, he uh, haven't seen him. Always wanted to. He's been through here a lot lately. He actually has family in Grass Valley, so he, that's one of the reasons why he comes back this area. Uh, that so makes often. sense. That makes sense because he's from Santa Cruz. Yep, but so, he comes back a lot. That's badass. And then July first, this is a big one. So Beard Pickers opening for Craig Campbell, like I said, July first. And then Amador Sons are opening for Nate Smith June, July 3rd. Amador Sons are fucking Dude, cool. Dude, Lee and Louie are like a couple of the coolest guys. They found me for Folsom City Limits. And they're like, oh, do we need to submit anything? And I was like, no. <laughs> no. I know who you are. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are awesome. And let me tell you, two-part vocal harmony, even if they don't bring in a, a drummer, unreal. Yeah. I've seen them. They open for... Uh, it was Lindsay L at Goldfield and they brought in the drummer and I'm like the full band. I was like, Whoa, like they're awesome. And they're the literally the coolest guys, the coolest guys. Nothing else I can really say. I'm like, I'm without words. That's rare for me. Yeah. That's definitely rare for me. But so beard picker, now that I, since I plugged his date, which I'll plug it one more time, July 3rd. And then I'll tell you about the whole correlation with Nate Smith too. Oh no, wait, July 3rd is Nate Smith. Hang on. July 1st, Craig Hamill. Beard Pager, Craig Campbell, July 1st, Folsom Hotel. Folsom Hotel, sponsor this podcast. That would be cool. <laughs> that, would, that would be very cool. Sponsor this podcast. Book these guys. Be that venue. Yeah, you need a mosh pit. Yes. <laughs> Dude, speaking of mosh pits, another damn disappointment. So I, I got to throw this out there. One of my favorite local punk bands. Have you seen this? The Hometown Hoedown, June 25th. That's I think No. The, so they Whoa. are playing a, they're being joined by uh, Marcus and Mark. I can't remember what band they were from, but they're doing a bluegrass and honkies honk show. <laughs> and they're one of the most legendary punk rock bands that still plays out of Sacramento. That's so cool. That playing really cool. a bluegrass and honky tonk <laughs> show. You'd be surprised how similar the two are though. Yeah. Well, it, and it, that's the even weirder thing. Old school punk rock guys turn out to be country music singers. Case in point, Mike Ness. Right. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Time Mike Ness. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Kind of always was though, a little bit. Yeah. There you go. He would, yeah, like some of his most famous songs kind of sound country. Yeah. yeah. Story of my life. Yeah. Well, then there's uh, he's got the whole record where uh, he's got uh, cheating at solitaire. That's an amazing one because he does a cover album, and then he does. Uh, I'm drawing a blank at the other one. It was cheating at solitaire, and. The, the other name's going to come to me. But he does like a honky-tonk version of uh, a couple of the songs he does, that that Social D does. And then he'll even tell you, as I finally, it took me years to go see them. I went to the UC Theater in Berkeley, which I was, hands down, still like the coolest venue I think I've ever been to. Three tiers, no seats, it's all general admission. Me and my buddy show up, we're like, wait a minute, there's no guards, there's no, there's nobody taking tickets or looking at wristband? We're going in the pit! I almost got killed when he did Ring of Fire. I bet. Oh, I, at one point, some girl got knocked over behind me. Next thing you know, I got a foot coming up right between my legs. I go, she missed my family jewels by about six inches. <laughs> Holy crap. But yeah, punk rockers and old punk rockers become country music singers. Yeah. It, it's the craziest shit. But back to Beard Pickers. So... I'd seen somehow he came across my whole feed on Instagram because you guys know he's an Instagram whore. Which, yeah. by the way, if you haven't followed him yet, Beard Picker, 
I, I think it's beard picker underscore or something like that. Look him up. Do it. It's worth it. Yeah, he's a great he's a great Instagram whore. Oh, dude, totally. Nobody <laughs> get, nobody gets the kind of freaking focus like he does. Full spectrum too, oh, like completely. his job and music, everything. Yeah, completely, it's, it's cool. And it's it gives you a, a definite variety of content. So it was Hanley's. I was at Hanley's Western Wear. Also another plug for them, just because they're awesome. Uh, I was at Hanley's Western Wear for one of their anniversary parties. There was a tent sale, something like that. And Bobby was Bobby showed up and was playing because Bobby and them, Bobby's like family to them too. Bobby's family to everybody. And he's a Folsom guy for sure. Oh yeah. Well, he's he's from El Dorado County. Okay. Or yeah. like he was living in El Dorado County for quite a while. He's from SoCal. And then uh, he actually the place he him and Ty had was about 15 minutes away from where I grew up, up in Shingle Springs. That was really cool. Oh, you grew up in Shingle Springs? I did. Very cool. I did. I, I don't, I'm not a department store cowboy by any, by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> you know, I shoe horses out there all the time. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I grew up down uh, South Shingle to Cawthon Ranch Road, back in that whole area. Okay. Yeah, I grew up back in there. We had 10 acres there. And then now my folks are in Garden Valley. Garden Valley. Up above Beautiful. Georgetown, 52, 52 acres up there. Dude, Garden Valley is like a secret gem in this area because it is. It's almost untouched. Oh, it seems like totally. it's so green. It's totally. Yeah, just don't tell anybody about yeah, it. Yeah, shut up. Guys. We don't. We don't need. We don't need any more barians and in, in uh, barians or city people in oh, Garden Valley. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> right now, it's a bunch of illegal pot grows literally all around us. Yeah. My dad. My dad's like. My dad sees the Eldorado County Sheriff drone fly by and he goes, "There's another know, one. There goes another one's about to happen." Yeah, and then there was once it was so bad. There was one summer where I'd go back to my folks' place, and it was like you could not get away from the smell. Yeah, <laughs> no matter what you did. We're sitting on the back porch. And I'm like, Mom, you got any funions? <laughs> got, got, got any donuts? I really want a donut right now. Oh my God. But uh, so back to Hanley's, back to Beard Picker. I had seen that he was going to be there, and I was I was kind of intrigued by him. And I was like, I want to see I want to see what he's what he's all about. And when I showed up, he had Abby singing the John Denver song. Yes. And I was like, that is fucking rad. Yeah. And then we we hadn't met each other yet. And it was funny because Bo- I see Bobby call him over and he points at me. And I go, uh-oh. And Nick walks over and he sh- he's like, oh, yeah, I hear you, you book country bands. And I was like, it was still with Fol- Folsom City Limits. I hadn't really started doing anything else. And I was like, I like the fact he approached me about it because I'm like, as you guys have seen, there's all too many musicians this day and age where their ego makes their head so freaking big. It's a wonder if they can get through the door. Really? And to do that, I was like, that's wicked cool. I'm like, I need to work on something for him. And then I got him into, uh, I got him on Folsom City Limits and he brought Ben. This is before Derek came into the picture, before Justin came into the picture. Rest in peace, Justin. Their original percussionist. Yeah, dude, major bummer. That was that that broke my heart when I heard about it. Yeah. It was sudden too. Very sudden, very sudden. But uh, so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll get you a date, and I got him a date, and he was like, oh, cool, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was almost kind of hard to promote because I was like, who do I? I was like, who? What, how do I go about this? Nobody knows who he is. I think his stream had over three thousand views. Wow. Somewhere in there, and I was like, whoa. Next thing you know, he's getting gigs in Orangeville, like Orangeville Summer Nights. He's actually opening for Amador Sons this year. He headlined it last year. He got on Country in the Park Rising Star stage twice. He got on, which I also have something to say about that. I have something to say about a lot of shit. If you can't tell. <laughs> me. 
but he got on Country in the Park Rising Star stage. He got, he's gotten all these extra gigs. He got, I had the guy who's the talent buyer at Crawdads got a hold of me because they did, they just did the Crawdads Summerfest. Yep. And he said, what's Beard Pitcher's contact info? He goes, I want him for this. So when they were, when they were switching out acts on the floating stage, Nick was playing inside. That's cool. Wow. And I was like, and it was the whole entire time with him. And I was like, holy crap. Like, that's huge. Because it's putting him in the right spot, and he's not having to whore himself out. No, and he knows how to sell himself, too. Oh, completely. I think his skill with the way he was running his uh, construction business beforehand has played in. Because when we first started hanging out with him, I could see him start shifting everything kind of the way he runs his construction business. Because even his Instagram is so current on construction. Music, like, he's constantly promoting. He's, He's great at guerrilla marketing. Well, and that's what a lot of musicians lack. I happen to know one girl who, she was signed to a, a Nashville record label, had to move back here for personal reasons, and she's only really, she's finding herself underpaid, and she's only really getting acoustic gigs in her occasional uh, full band gig, and I've talked to her about some business stuff before, but she's, she is a hidden gem. Megan T. Smith, she's a hidden gem. And I'll swear to it, yeah. because nobody sings like she does. Nobody puts the show on like she does, and uh, she could be doing bigger shit. She could be where Jake's at, yeah, Jake Jacobson. But to no fault of her own, in in my opinion, not everybody has the business sense. Because I can ask all three of you guys in one room, what is a band? A band is a business. Yes. Yeah. You have clients. Clients are the venue owners or actually more or less you can call them subcontractors subcontractors are the venue owners your clients are the people at the bar the people at the venue the people the fans yes exactly so if you run your organization like you run a business like nick does boom like in a matter of maybe a year he's on stage twice at country in the park and i'm like whoa yeah and then he he completely attributes a lot of it to me, and I'm like, no, dude, like, I helped, but a lot of it's you. You did the work. Exactly. I got I, I got you to talk to the people. I got you, I got you in front of the right people. But you did the work. If you didn't do the work, it would be pointless. Exactly. So that's another takeaway for aspiring musicians, struggling struggling musicians, or people that need to shrink their head because their ego's too big. Market yourself like you are your own business and your life depends on it because the biggest thing I hear once again venues not paying enough the there was a changing of the tides with the local music scene when Goldfield Midtown opened when Goldfield Roseville opened that put a dent in a lot of stuff yeah but Goldfield Roseville that's the spot that's a nice spot that is the spot it's a new hot spot that is that's the best indoor PA I've ever heard. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Dude, it's so fun. Such a fun gig. Like, you're standing at the bar and the bass from the subs are, it's shaking your beer across the Yes, it's so close. I'm like, holy crap. And it, but it's epic. Like, if you go to somewhere in Nashville, it's going to be just like that. Yeah. You go to somewhere in Texas, it'll be rather similar. I can't say, I can't say it's just like that. But, so, the tides have changed because, you don't have the same greedy talent agents that are like, I'm going to take XYZ cover band and I'm going to book them everywhere on a rotating scale like the phone call that Jake Jacobson got. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame him for it at all because 
it uh, you know you have to stand on what you want. If you feel your worth, if we if we as I think the easiest way to describe this, if we as a community between people on the business side, like myself, people in the entertainment side, the you know guitar players, bass players, whatever, all the way down to roadies, if we all got together, and some other people and I have talked about this quite a bit, and literally stood on what our worth is, you will never be complaining about not being able to buy or to book a good paying gig again. Because one of two things is gonna happen. You're either gonna get paid what you are worth, or the entire scene is screwed and it's all DJs. Now think about it. Back up. I literally just dropped jaws and probably pissed people off. The entire scene being just DJs, that's not gonna happen. Ever. Mm-hmm. Some people have thought, oh, I'm going to resort to a DJ because they're cheaper. But live music is too entertaining. Y- yeah, exactly. Nothing beats that. You don't get the feeling. You don't get the ambiance. You don't get the, like, when I saw Randall King, which, if you guys haven't ever seen him, next time he comes through town, put it on your calendar. I swear. Heard this dude recorded. I was like, he's good. But I don't know. I said the same thing about Aaron Watson. Yeah. With I, It must be something with the Texas guys. They sound so subdued, recorded. And then rip you, it. You put it on. You put them on stage, and you're like, "Am I at a rock show?" <laughs> the energy Randall had was nuts. That's cool. Nuts. Uh, and then all the women. I mean, the the guy's a chiseled, good-looking dude. I mean, if I'd have a giant, I'd sit on his face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm even looking at him, going, "I kind of have a gay crush on you for a minute." <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be completely honest, but. Back to all that, you, uh, as I'm once again going all over the place, if you stand on what you know you're worth, you can have that gig. You can headline. Megan can headline at Goldfield Roseville. She doesn't have to be an opener for a non-paying gig for something else. You know, nobody has to do that. If you choose to do that with an opportunity at hand, that's another story. But... There are still some people around. I won't name names, but I can... Yeah, I won't name names. But they they somehow can plan an event and not have... And this is my biggest bitch ever. And not have a budget for live entertainment. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And not have a budget for music. And I'm like, hold on. You just asked me to book for a band that would play for free? Yeah. Would you go to a gas station and ask the attendant for a full tank on the house? Yeah. No. Would you ask... Especially when they're making money off of it. Exactly. Would you ask whoever took that picture of Hank Williams Sr. for a free picture? Right. Hell no. Everything has a price. Everything has a price. So if we all got together in unison and literally stood on it, like you said, don't take it. Like I told you, don't take a gig under five hundred bucks. Yeah, and that's solid for all three of you guys. Bigger gig, raise your money, or yeah, raise your rate, because you guys have been around enough to where you don't have to settle. But like I said, find that point and stand on it. You might not play as often, but I'll tell you what: the people that are your hardcore fans, well, they will flock and they will foam at the mouth. I watched a band get; they were. Well, they still are absolutely huge. And I watched them get shut down by a booking agent to where they almost got blackballed. 
Wow. Where I was like, what the hell? And this band would sell places out. Sell places out, and it drove me nuts. And I was like, what? They, they came to me for help. Which, in all reality, I have my connections, yes. But can I schedule you shows every weekend? No. But when stuff comes across my desk, what is it? It's always quality. Yeah. You know, it's a fundraiser. It's a uh, a bit a large event with a built-in crowd. It's whatever. Which you know, little things like that are also great. But the greediness involved in the money side of things is also what kills this. You know, if you have a booking agent that will not show you as the artist the contract the original one you'll see the contract from booking agent agency here it is which i can't tie names together but if you put pieces together you'll know who i'm talking about mm-hmm. if you do that to somebody where in reality that venue just paid that agent we'll say for for explanation purposes three thousand dollars to book outlaws in the golden state me as a booking agent i come to you with a contract to pay you a thousand bucks and charge you 15% off the top. Uh, <laughs> rough. Yeah. <laughs> That's not right. It's like no. a pyramid scheme. Uh, Bingo. Dude. It is. That's Bingo. why they have the 360 that's deals disgusting. now. 360 deals are the most disgusting thing that are in the music industry. I think, oh, that's right now. the, uh, what that, is it? You can't play three days, 60 miles or something? What no, are, that's a 360 deal is so the, the fucking record label essentially works as a bank. And yeah, they they supply your album. They supply everything. They supply your merch, but they also get a piece of everything. They get a piece of everything. Like yeah, that's they, crazy. Like five percent of every shirt, or like they get they get a chunk of everything. Because well, and you know what that appeals to? And I touched on this earlier. This appeals to the musicians that want to not have their hands in the business side of it, and they just want to go. Here you go. That was a great sound effect, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they want to go. Okay. If this is the case, here you go. Yeah. But you have now literally sold your soul to the devil. Yep. Pretty much. Seriously. Yeah. To the... You play when they want you to. You, 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 da- you dance monkey. <laughs> dance monkey dance. It's the dude with the Glock sideways shooting at your feet. Yeah, dude. And he's gonna Not about that. that into your head. Exactly. Uh-huh. And it, that, that shit is what... So, after Folsom City Limits, I... I ended up actually getting involved with a nice way to prelude to the next part of this. I get it. I ended up kind of still putting my hands out because I was in and out of different jobs. Gee, thanks, COVID. President Potato Head Seriously. and Governor Newsom's. Oh yeah. Oh, oh God. <sighs> Which I mean. California's been crazy. Uh, it's still unbelievable. Now monkeypox. Monkeypox. Oh yeah, yeah that's coming to get us. Uh, <laughs> now, now monkeypox. I'm like. Ooh, ah, ah, <laughs> the zoo's not closed down. No. There's a couple nope. bananas. I, I, I do have a sudden urge to eat a banana, though. Yeah, yeah well, good. I mean, it's good for potassium. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's a health thing. So, <laughs> it's a health thing. <laughs> after, after Folsom City Limits, I still tried to keep my hands in some things, and I got, I got contacted by a venue that I won't name, because I can't tell any names in this story either, Yeah. but this will blow your mind. So... Said venue owner asked me, he said, hey, I want to do some, like, private concerts, like, s- something of that sort. And he said, I uh, I need your help. I said, yeah, sure. What's your budget? Plain and simple. You come to me, you want music, I go, what's your budget? Yeah, what's your budget is a good question. If you're and that that's stuff. the first thing I ask. And that's that took me two years to learn. 
not two years. It took me a lot of years to learn as far as how I format things when I put my professional hat on. Because to quote my good friend Jessica Spade from Inchine Crazy, when I put my professional hat on, there is no beating me. <laughs> because I will make the deal. Mm-hmm. And I will make the deal work for everyone. That's why the people that work with me work with me, period. So with all this, I go, yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's great. I go, that budget will be great. Done. Perfect. I said, uh, what would you like? What, what, what would you, because it's not what I like. As somebody who does this, and that's what a lot of people uh, that book acts, a lot of talent buyers, they don't, they don't grasp. It's not what you like as a musician or musical fan. It's what the venue wants. As weird as that may sound, but you have to cater to your to your client. Yeah. Right. Because you have multiple clients as a booking agent. You have the band. You possibly have the band's manager. You have the venue. And you have the fans. Because you have to make sure everybody's happy. Everybody needs to be satisfied. Exactly. Like when I when I helped out with the Folsom Pro Radio last year, had Jake Jacobs in there. I was running around like a chick with my head cut off. Like making sure Jake and the boys were as happy as physically possible. Mm-hmm. And literally at one point, like, Jake was, was fretting about something. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, fuck. Who would I have to talk to? Like, I grabbed my phone. I start calling somebody. Him and the entire band all look at me and they go, stop. <laughs> you are amazing. And I was like, thank you, guys. <laughs> They're like, get a beer. Have a good time. Okay, cool. Done. But the entire night, it was like, I, you know, I have the rodeo committee. I have the, the Folsom Chamber of Commerce. I have the, the people that are there working the rodeo. And the fans, all that in mind. And for that gig, I volunteer. Yeah. Why? Because that's a bucket list thing for me. Yeah, yeah. straight up. That, that is a bucket list thing for me. So something that money doesn't matter for. No, money to me does not matter yeah. for something like that. And I, I'll do. And I told them, I'm like, you guys will have me back. I will act as the whatever I'm acting, which I actually got a phone call last night, and uh, I have a, an unofficial job title. I'm the personal. Entertainment liaison to the Folsom Radio Committee. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. Like, that's that a makes, good one. That makes me sound way too official. Like, I don't know if I want this anymore. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, do I have to put on a nudie suit and a tie? <laughs> yeah. A nudie suit? Yeah. Hey, I gotta keep it Western. <laughs> yeah. Or a birthday suit. Well, I have that too. <laughs> that's that's too. I'm just saying, gotta keep it Western, you know, both genres, country and Western. But uh, with all that in mind, it's it's crazy. And then back to where I was going with all that. So, I he was running such a successful concert series that he he told me he goes he ran out of people. He hit me up. He goes, "I'm out of people. Who do you got?" I said, "Give me an hour." And it was hilarious because I think it was Chuck that said, "If I were to actually start another business, he goes, you should just call it Give Me an Hour Consultation." Yeah. Because <laughs> I literally I've had people get a hold of me and I'm like, "Give me an hour," and within an hour. Problem solved. Or within an hour, band booked. Venue handled. Issue solved. Done. Because yeah, I also go, I don't want to shelve the thing. I want to get it out of the way. So I can relax and enjoy myself. So we're running all this. And he goes, oh, dude, all of a sudden I'm booked six months out now. It was like some crazy number. It was between three and six. And he's, I was like, you're welcome. He goes, I have Instagram messages or Facebook messages. I haven't even been able to reply to yet because I'm looking into next year. Nice. And I was like, what the, f- for real? <laughs> and it was, 
it was a good gig for what it was for your average like acoustic player or a small band. It wasn't super good money, but people were telling me they were making tips. Yeah. And I was like, really? Okay, okay. Good angle for me to think about. Because getting feedback like that's great. Like, uh, I had Austin Moe actually play an after, it was like an after party at a, uh, a short course off-road race. Because cool. the promoter that I was working for is an announcer hit me up and he goes, I, I see you have ties in the music business. He's like, I want a band to play after the races on Saturday night. I said, what do you want? Yeah. Because I'm like, you work the budget out with the act. I'm staying out of that. And then I was like, well, what do you want? He goes, I want rock and roll. I go, done. Done. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> I had Austin was like, oh, yeah, I'd love it. And then next thing you know, he totally killed it. I don't know what they paid him, but I got on stage because he had his break. And it was before it was the weekend for Halloween. And we did a costume contest. So I'm like a couple beers in after a crazy day of moto or a crazy day of racing. And I look down as I start like doing the whole costume contest. I look down at the tip jar, multiple hundred dollar bills. Nice. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, perfect. Perfect. Because he went through a lot to get the band there. He got skipped from Skip's Music Cafe. Shameless sponsor plug, Skip's Music Cafe in Marysville. Mm-hmm. You need sound, talk to Skip. Tell him I sent you. Skip's got everything. Oh, Skip's a magician. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking magician. Love the guy. Sweetheart of an individual. And uh, so he got all that handled. So I'm like, that alone probably paid for Skip. I'm like, damn. <laughs> so it's, where I was going with all that was, oh, back to the whole thing with, with this other, we'll say, unnamed venue. So I get a I get a, a Facebook message which I still have screenshots of these and I'll show them to you when we get off air because you can read it and understand it. So I get an Insta, a Facebook message from a very irate local talent agent, and uh, they, like I said, I have to speak very general here. They were irate over the fact that I was working with another venue that they were not a part of. Like, I'm getting, and then oh, wow. basically get told, Poor guy. I, basically get told I have Fucking to guy. work for them to work. Oh. And I was like, really? Oh, really? Say what? <laughs> and I, I, I basically said, put up or shut up. Yeah. Well, next thing I know, I stopped getting hit up about, I stopped getting hit up about the, uh, the, the gigs with this venue. Which, I mean, I literally just found the messages. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll show them to you. Yeah. I stopped getting hit up about gigs for this venue. And all of a sudden, the same people that are on rotation with this person are playing at this venue. And I go, imagine that. Imagine that, huh? Imagine that. Which, I'm not saying booking agents aren't necessary. I feel like as a venue, like for instance, Jake's manager, Wyatt, you've met Wyatt, Great right? guy. I, yeah, I've, I've actually, I've gotten, I've cornered him and asked him for some tips on managing and booking for us a lot. He's a wealth of knowledge. Oh, dude. He's great. Wyatt, when I met Wyatt through Folsom City Limits, I was like, that is a connection I'm going to hang on to for the rest of my life. Yeah. Virginia, he's a good Virginia Street Brewhouse, his, well, his like crown achievement up in Reno, which by the way, you think Ace of Spades is cool? You think Goldfield's cool? Go to Virginia Street Brew House. Unreal. Opened up for Jake there once. Oh, yeah. I forgot it about was that. wonderful. Dude, like, dude, 
wonderful. Oh, place is nuts. The bar is crazy. The sound drinks... system, dude, just like Goldfields. The drinks are Club cheaper band. too. Way cheaper, and you could probably drink on the sidewalk. Oh yeah. Oh no, I had I had beers walking from the hotel there, but I I went up there to see Ian Munzik and Jake open for him. Oh, which Ian Munzik? Cool. Oh god. Once again, sounds subdued, recorded. Yeah. But he's not a Texas guy. He's from uh, Wyoming. Not it's very subdued on his record. Wildlife, wildlife. Only podcast on the face of the planet where dogs walk in. And oh. cows will butt in. And cows will butt in. Oh, no, that was somebody's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> that's awesome. But, right, uh, girls, go. go outside. No, talking to Wyatt. Sorry, baby. <laughs> Come on. You're good. You're good. Yeah. But, candid. Uh, yes, very candid. <laughs> I mean, you know, it has to be. So, talking with Wyatt, it, uh, like, Wyatt was... Uh, was, yeah, Wyatt was down in, at the Folsom Rodeo with Jake and the guys. And uh, he was like, dude, we need to, like, trade some info because what you're doing is epic and we want to tie Sacramento with Reno. Yeah. And I said, oh, that's easy. I said, but I'm sitting here going, but this person? Yeah. Don't even, don't even waste your time. <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't even waste your time. And he's like, okay, good to know. Well, then he brought Brandon, his partner and the owner of Virginia Street Brew House, up to, or down to Goldfield when Nick was opening for Jake at Goldfield. And then I was talking to Brandon. Brandon's his name. I can't remember his last name right now. And he, uh, uh, is he a sound guy? He's not. No. He's actually the owner of Virginia Street Brew House. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Him, him, and Wyatt. I think that's a co thing. I really don't know the details, but I got talking to him, and he's like. You know a lot of people. He's like, well, we need to do business. And then Wyatt, like a few weeks later, who do you know that wants to come play in Reno? Yeah. And I said, I could send you a list. Literally, I typed back, give me an hour. Yeah. And I sent them a list. And still, like, I, if I need to connect the dots, like Bergies, if you guys haven't played Bergies yet, I can hook you up with Steve. Yeah, I've been meaning to. That. That's out in Arbuckle. Yeah, that, I've heard a lot of really good things about that place. Dude, it's got, let's see, Mike and the Moon. Oh, wait, I can't actually say that. I'm like, I about gave away something that wasn't signed yet. Red Sheehan's <laughs> supposed to play there. Oh, cool. And then uh, who else has he had? Jesse Daniels played there. Tyler yeah. and the Train Robbers were there the night they were after. They were at Folsom Hotel. Steven Denmark. Steven Den- He's Dude, killer, too. I like him a lot. I'm pretty sure Denmark and I went to high school together because he's, fr- he's from Eldorado County. Yeah, dude, I bet. He, and we, he looks like a local guy. We started chatting, and I'm like, oh, we know a lot of the same people. I'm like, did we go... I gotta go home now. Now that it's in my my present mind, and actually look at my yearbook and go, did we go to high school together? I'm like, this this dude he, he rings a bell. Oh no, I asked him. He went to El Dorado. That's right. But yeah, he's another one where I didn't I had no idea who he was until recently. Like I saw he was opening for Buck Ford. Yeah. And then I was like, who is this Stephen Denmark at? I'm like, is this another guy who tries to look the part and play nothing but covers all night? Nope. And then I'm like. As he opened for Tyler and the Train Robbers, and I was like, it's like Incubus and Sturgill Simpson yeah. made a musical baby. Wow. <laughs> I was like, what is this sound so far apart? And it's so funny because his brand is so self-deprecation. It is. I love it. it it's it, like at, at the uh, the second Goldfield Battle of the Bands thing, it was, uh, he puts up the thing behind the screen that says, Steven Denmark isn't really all that good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, my buddy Dave from Moonshine Crazy showed up, and he's like, to have that behind you on stage takes balls. And I go, 
welcome to the other side of the world. Yeah. I'm like, these are people that, this is my brand. It is what it is. Yeah, you like it or you hate it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. So, yeah, with all tying all that all together, I've made some, through my whole journey, if you will, because I could honestly talk to you guys for freaking ever, but I'm sure people would be like, all right, get to the point. More of a reason to have you on again, though. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll probably be back at some point. That's That'd be great. Sure. At least I found found the way to your studio. Dude, yeah, right? <laughs> it's, it's, more about the it's, whole it's more about the environment. <laughs> exactly. Like, talk about talk about an environment. I'm like, Gabe, Gabe told me when I was up at, uh, I stopped off at Avocado Print, Peach City Sound, and he's like, dude, when you go there to be on that, that podcast, he's like, you're going to absolutely love it. And I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I got somebody's girlfriend out there mooing at me. I got dogs running. <laughs> I got your better half hanging out. Yeah. I'm like, this is rad. This is rad. But uh, to tie it all together, my whole saga, if you will, I started, if you have a thought, and this is something else I can tell people that might be like self-conscious, might not have the confidence in themselves as a musician or a person, if you think something, you see somebody doing something, like for instance, I saw Adam at the rodeo, and I thought, I want to do that. If you put out, and it's going to sound corny as shit and a little hipster-like, but if you put out into the realm that I want to do that, don't follow it with your conscious mind. Follow it with your subconscious, because in that case, it'll literally all fall in your lap. Because every opportunity I've ever gotten has literally just fallen right to me. I've never looked for it. I've never gone to bands going, oh, yeah, you need to sell t-shirts. You just knew you wanted to do it. I just wanted to do it, and then it found me. So as musicians, I can say, you want to play big gigs? Put yourself out there. The big gigs will find you. Yeah. It might not be exactly where you want to go. No, but... But it might be like something... Like, for instance, if I can get Mark back out here to do Hangtown Honky Tonk Fest again. So I never told you about that lineup. The Freight Shakers open, but they're not called the Freight Shakers anymore. It's Gethin Jenkins. If you don't know who he is, look him up. Oh, well. He's about seven feet tall and has hands <gasps> that could palm my head. <laughs> I have a size eight head, folks. I shook this guy's hand, thought he broke mine. <laughs> and somehow plays a J forty five. Wow. Like wow. I don't I don't get it. it. it's foreign to me. Cecil Allen Moore, Pee Wee Moore and the awful awful dreadful snakes is what they were called at the time. They were on. Jackson Taylor and the Sinners came back out here. Which I mean, Jackson Taylor and the Sinners, that's my shit. Yeah. Jackson, he's unbelievable. And Dale Watson headlined. Dale Watson headline? Dale Watson headline. First time he had been in Northern California in like 25 years. Yeah. And Mark got him here. They had like 800 people. It was amazing. So you guys could be like, I want to do that. And go, and just put it out there that you want to do that. And then all of a sudden, I might see something and go, hey, Jake, check this out. Yeah. Or, you know, vice versa all the way around. You know, it might not be you. It might be Nick. It might be something else. But if, like, if I see something and I know you guys could fit in like if they have like for instance bob wayne played at a car show in woodland a couple years ago oh dude yeah back in 2019 because they had like a western theme Mm -hmm. so they had a couple rockabilly bands that played nothing but like speed metal rockabilly redneck stuff and bob wayne headlined yeah the goddamn gallows were there one year (laughs) like you want to talk about weird stuff like black grass that was crazy black grass i've never heard of that that's a really cool genre name Blackgrass, that sounds rad. Look up the goddamn Gallows if you've never heard of them. They are unreal. They're absolutely unreal. Like, the dude yodels 
and screams. It's, it's weird. It's weird, but it's awesome. But for instance, like if you guys want to be a part of that, put it out there, and then people like me see that, yeah. see what you're doing. If it wasn't for that that Beerman's live stream, I wouldn't have known who you were. Yeah, it's valid. And then I wouldn't have put you on Folsom City Limits, and I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> That's where the business side comes in, because you got to learn how to package and market too. And yeah, exactly. Package and market. Two big things that I can also stress that I see amazing people musically fall on their face. Yeah, it's talent's not good enough anymore. Fall on their face. It, talent is not good enough. Where I can actually say, I, I'll tell you about Nate Smith. Nate Smith, his last show in California before he moved to Nashville, like literally had his car packed and he was ready to go, was with us. He had Red Eye drove here from Texas he was talking to some girl in texas and if nate if you ever listen to this i'm throwing you under the bus right now drove all the way to somewhere in texas to go be with some girl drove back it didn't go good but he was like so stoked to play with us i went to our sponsor at the time fort rock brewing company got him a bunch of beer like he was stoked stoked to be there and it's still to this day he'll talk to me he'll comment back to me on like his verified tiktok and his verified instagram He's still thankful for the opportunity I gave him. That's cool. That's awesome. Had like 4,000 people on that one. And he's he's playing acoustic. And the dude's got the voice. Of, his voice is like Fergie and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. And uh, toward the end, he starts forgetting. He's so tired. He starts forgetting lyrics to his own songs. And I, I was like, Nate, Nate, we can cut it off, dude. That's good. Like, you're, you're good. But it worked out great. And then he moved to Nashville. He put himself out there in front of the right people without having to whore himself out on Broadway at places like Dirk Bentley's Bar Yeah. to put himself in the right places. He's also a stellar writer. And now he's signed to Sony. Wow. wow. Yeah, now he's signed to Sony with a, uh, a writer deal and a performing deal. Wow. Unbelievable. That is pretty crazy. So if you can either connect yourself with the people that know business properly or the people that are willing to learn like myself you know i still work with a few people i've since i got out kind of backed out of the music business and got into motorsports announcing i don't do as much as i once did but everything i do do yeah i said do do <laughs> is is behind closed doors yeah because i don't need people like that person chomping you know trying to bite my throat over stupid stupid stuff it's a lot of high school stuff in a way. Oh, dude, like, it's terrible. But it does feel like there's a couple worlds. There's people that do that, like you said, with the big heads. Yeah, and there's metaphorically. People who, people who just want to work. Yeah. Like, there's people like you guys where I could put you, like literally, I could put you if he starts touring again, yeah. boom, open for somebody like that. Yeah, That'd, that'd be, be a great. bucket list item for That's you, I'm sure. Straight Not up. even just bucket list. Actually. Like, I could stop whatever I'm doing in life if I open up for him. I do yeah. <laughs> Straight up. When I say him, folks, I'm talking about a Hank 3 picture. <laughs> very famous Hank 3 picture that's on the wall. Or Yellow Wolf. I'll, like cr to, I'll cry about Yellow Wolf. I'd like to open up for Willie before I die. <laughs> at least once. Well, Will, before Willie before, dies. Well, yeah. Willie dies, yeah. Like, I, I can't. Well, Willie, Willie being one of the last outlaws left, you know he's just a walking, talking hemp plant. Yeah. yeah. We're good with that. Like, yeah, I, mean, I know you guys are. <laughs> But still, I'm like, he's a walking, talking hemp plant. That's why he's still alive. I know. I think it's smart. Hemp makes you durable, right? <laughs> Case in point. Cheech and Chong aren't dead either. No. Neither of them. <laughs> Neither of them. Unreal. But yeah, the back to all that, to, to 
get it back on more of a serious note, the talent is not good enough. No. If you connect yourself with somebody who wants to learn the business, or if you connect yourself with the right people that are in the business, you don't have to whore yourself out to a talent agency that's going to steal all your money from you. You're going to live hand to mouth, trying to make money as a musician. Don't do it. No. Know your value. Connect with the right people. How have I gotten everywhere I have? Yeah. Because I've gotten a lot of places, and I'm very thankful for those who've helped me along the way. Connections, talking to people, getting to know people. Yeah. You know, it might be somebody I talk to for five minutes at a bar or at a Folsom Chamber of Commerce event or something. You never know who that person knows or what they know. And that might be able to, you might be able to, to profit off of that physically or spiritually, metaphorically, whatever. And likewise, you know, where I tell people too, like for instance, like the, like booking people for the VIP for the Folsom Radio, they don't have a lot of a budget for it, but the people that immediately get in automatically see what it can get them. Mm -hmm. Like you're in front of some big business owners. Yeah. Thank you, dear. You're welcome. You're in front of some big business owners. Yeah. You're in front of some big, you know, like people from Tiger, people from Granite. Yep. Who knows what else? So you never know what's going to, then that's when you, if you have an opportunity to take a gig like that, because exposure doesn't pay your bills, but exposure to that degree will help you out. Yes. In the long run. In the long run. matters. I mean, it's, it's worth taking risks. So take risks. To summarize all this, because once again, my brain's... Take risks, learn the business, and network. Three things I can... That will be definitely my takeaway so we can wrap this so I don't talk for six hours straight. But do all that, and you don't have to hurt yourself out, lose money to crooked agents, and you will be a successful musician, period. Yep. That's some solid advice. That's a that's a it's great, great advice, advice, and I think that is a really good way to wrap that up because that is about the gist. Keep working and fucking know your value. And exactly. Treat it like a business, right? Exactly. Like, treat it like a business because that's exactly what it is. It is small small day. business. <laughs> like, there we go. And you got employees if you got a band. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, you're you have a lot of employees if you have a band. I have a lot of employees from the business side. Yeah. You know, the bar has a lot of employees also. Everybody's got to make money somehow. Everybody, everybody has to do to make money exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to r- completely wrap it up too. Moonshine Crazy will be playing at the Folsom Pro Radio this year, all three nights. Uh, that's the next gig I'll be at on a microphone, annoying people. What and, about your motocross stuff? Where, oh, motocross where, where stuff. Where can we find you next for that? So the easiest way to get a hold of me with that because I parlayed my my charisma into the motorsports. I work for East Street MX Park. I work for Empire Mine Speedway. I work for Valley Offroad Racing Association. And I work for a grass ranch pit bike MX down at Escalon. That's more of a party than a race. It looked like it. Dude. (laughs) It looked fun. Yo, it's unreal. So Empire Mine Speedway, uh, our next race there is June 24th. So that's coming up. And then, let's see, into July, I have a dwarf car event, Empire Mine Speedway in Grass Valley. July 8th, so nice. anybody from up there, it's where Ernie and Purcell Speedway used to be. A bunch of people got together, put together an outlaw cart track, and if they get enough love from the fairgrounds, there's a possibility of blowing it back out to a quarter mile and bringing sprint cars back. Yeah. Awesome. So I figured I would get on, get in on the ground floor there. Yeah, July 
I'm gonna need to check that date, but it looks like July 8th, July 22nd. I'm back there again. And the next motocross motorcycle race is East Street MX Park, July 31st. And it's District 36 Grand Prix Series. And then if anybody has Flow Racing, I'm filming for uh, All-American Speedway on July 23rd oh. and August 6th. But yeah, the rest of it, uh, look up Grass Ranch, Pit Bike MX, Facebook, Instagram, East Street MX Park, same thing. Empire Mind Speedway, same thing. And uh, you can see where I parlayed my charisma from the music business into this. Hell yeah. Cool, man. And I think we're only at the Speakeasy coming July 16th. Yeah, plug right. your own dates. This that's, is your show. With, uh, with Will Shamberger. Right? With Will Shamberger out of Reno. That show is the shit, folks. And tomorrow we're going to drop a impromptu podcast because we're going to Fallon tomorrow. Oh, no shit. To go, he's doing a release show tomorrow. So nice. we're going to drop in and have an hour smoke sesh with him. There you go. And then, uh, dude, yeah, they're, they're a Rocky band. They're, they're great. Reno's pulling out some great artists. Greg Gilmore, dude. Reno's Buffalo Moses. Dude, Reno's dude. got some stuff that it, it will shock you. Yes, it, it will does. definitely shock you. Like I got some buddies up there, Huckleberry Road. Yeah. I know those guys pretty well. They're they're guitar players and nuttier than Squirrel Turd. Oh, that's but, that's how they get out there. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's well, all when, the sun. <laughs> it's all the sun, the free range, the ability to shoot guns and freedom. Thank you, President Potato Head and Governor Newsom. And that, de that desert chemistry. Right. All right. Yeah, it's trailer park chemistry here. Yeah. Or hillbilly heroin, whatever you want to call it. But hillbilly heroin. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, Ian. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you again. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. You guys want to follow me. You guys want to add me. Feel free. Fuck yeah. Uh, I think it's Ian underscore McAdam 14 or something like that. And then, yeah, last name's McAdam. And catch me at East Street MX Park, uh, East Street MX Park, Empire Mind Speedway, Vora, uh, Folsom Pro Rodeo. You never know yeah. where I'm going to end up next. Have microphone, we'll travel. It's Fuck yeah. <laughs> Ian underscore 104. Ian McAdam underscore 104. Thank you. Cool. Back All right. You. We'll see you guys later. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.